Professor Gus. Today I'm going to be talking about The Mandalorian with the boys Noah Zimmerman. Hello. Braylon Baker. Hi. Aiden Loudenslager. How do you do? Today we're going to talk about the first half of season one of The Mandalorian. Can I start off by saying, wow, this season of Mandalorian was absolutely terrific. Like every episode, you know, four out of five stars at least. Yeah. This first, the season one blew me away. Quality Skyrocketed content. Disney Plus. Great writing. Yeah, it's very amazing writing. John Favreau and Dave Filoni are experts at this. Yes, it's very reminiscent of the original Star Wars films as opposed to the newer ones. Yes, a reason for its popularity for sure. <coughs> Let's get into the first episode. I mean, you start off with just in the galaxy, you know, classic fade in from space, as is every Star Wars film or anything related to Star Wars. I mean, they nailed it, just absolutely. Nailed it out of the ballpark with the episode and yeah, everything with it. I mean yeah, episode one was great. Built the world and shows us our first glimpse at the Mandalorian, a character with no name and no face. All we know is that he's a bounty hunter, making his way in the world. In the first half of the episode, roughly the first half, we see him taking a bounty. No emotion or anything. Takes it in, no remorse, doesn't care at all. He takes some money, doesn't take Imperial credits. He takes some other kind of currency that we don't know much about. But Imperial credits are so worthless that he might as well. Now, he takes a new job because he can't find any other jobs directly from an Imperial. This Imperial doesn't pay him in credits. He pays him in Beskar, Mandalorian steel, and is sort of worshipped as a point of their culture. Yeah, you got to keep in mind, too, when you talk about Beskar and the Imperials, the Mandalorians have a very uh, high just hate for the Imperials, especially after what they did. And if you don't know what they did, they back burned then, their world to the ground. Yeah, they kind of wiped Empire out. and Mandalorians mm -hmm. do not like each other, but Mandalorians still accepted this job. Yep. This job takes them to a new planet. If you don't know what it's called, but it's reminiscent, reminiscent of Tatooine. And he meets a new character named Queel, who teaches him how to ride a blurg so that he can get to his destination. When he gets there, we see one of the first times he really, really hates droids. He, but he does fight with this droid, IG-11. He fights through a horde of gangsters, whatever they are, probably pirates, to All get the to the target. Time, trying to keep IG-11 from blowing himself up. Yes, IG-11 did want to self-destruct a lot. Times. But Mandalorian found it distasteful if he blew up with him. Yes. And at the end of the episode, we see what the target actually is. A face we have not seen in a long time. The client, the Imperial, told Mandalorian it was a 50-year-old. He expected some old guy or dude, middle-aged. But what he found was a child. This child looked like Yoda. And that's the end of that episode one. Oh, yeah. He also shoots IG-11. Yes. Oh, yeah. To save Blows the child. His head off. Yes. Chooses the baby over the droid any day. Which, matter of fact, if you haven't seen the whole season, just keep in mind, uh, you know, what the droid was. Because uh, let's just say there's... It's not the end of his screen time. Put it that way. Yeah. He comes back very unexpectedly. So we move on to episode two. The beginning of episode two... We see Mandalorian making his way back to a ship with a child. 
and multiple other bounty hunters, all Trandoshans, attempt to kill him and the child. This is important because now we know that Mandalorian wasn't the only one to accept this job. Multiple other bounty hunters are trying to kill him and the child, and he has to get back to the Imperial quickly. But when he gets back to his ship, he finds a bunch of Jawas, a ton of them, scrapping his ship for all its parts. He tries to fight them, but there were so many Jawas, not even a Mandalorian could get through them. Yeah, and then their stun rifles just really stunned him, <laughs> put it that way. We also uh, see Mandalorian's first use of his sniper rifle, yeah, a disruptor. Which is very cool, yeah. in my opinion. It was very cool, but in canon, it was outlawed by both the Republic, Rebellion, and Empire, because disruptors can disintegrate people. Which not is a very quite good a weapon. nice nod to the original Star Wars, where Darth Vader had told Boba Fett, no disintegration. Yeah, Mandalorian also, disintegrated also, a lot of people. He also wears Mandalorian armor. Yeah, and I feel like that always ties back to him being a Mandalorian and him being an actual outlaw, not more so good or bad, but he's on his own side, and he does what's best for his own interests. He will do whatever he needs to survive. Moving on in the episode, we see uh, Mandalorian with Queel attempting to get the parts from his ship back. The Jawas will only give it back to them if he gets what they call the egg, going into a cave and retrieving it from some monster. This monster or beast is known as the Mudhorn. And Mandalorian nearly dies, but he has the child with him. And this is the first time we see the child use the Force to save Mando's life. And this probably changed Mando for the better here. This is where his character truly changes. To You see him be more compassionate. He gets back to the Jawas, gives him the egg, gets his parts back, him and Quill rebuild his ship, and they get back to Navarro. And that's where episode two drops off. We should probably explain about the egg. Yes, the egg. Yeah, they eat that. Well, not only that, but he when eventually, he when he talked to Quill, Quill explained to him about getting hold of the Jawas to get his parts back, which, in the end, they wanted the egg for his ship that they stole, but they wanted something in return, so... They asked for the Mudhorn egg. Yep. Which obviously Didn't they ask for Baby Yoda before that? Yeah, they, yes, yes. they did. <laughs> they wanted the armor. They wanted Baby. They wanted everything, but no. But they'll the settle for a nice egg. That they ate yes. <laughs> very quickly. Is that a profit? Or egg. <laughs> egg. Yes. So, moving on to episode three, we see him return to the planet Navarro, where the Bounty Hunters Guild and his Mandalorian conclave is located. He returns the baby to the Imperials, who give him a very, very generous amount of Beskar, which the armor at the Mandalorian Conclave uses to make a full new suit of Mandalorian armor, full shiny. And However, hmm? and out of it, the um, whistle birds. Yeah, the, whistle. the whistling birds. Yeah, a new weapon that we have not seen in Star Wars before. And eventually, obviously, movie magic it comes in handy later in the episode. So, and whistling birds, if you don't know what they are if you've ever watched guardians of the galaxy they're like what yondu uses yes exactly but Almost. a lot of them yes a lot of them mandalorian however doesn't really like this he gave the child to these imperials and he has no idea what they're going to do with it so he makes a very risky decision and goes and kills a bunch of stormtroopers like we all love to see in star wars stormtroopers getting shot yes so he goes retrieves the child again and everything seems to be okay, but he's walking out of Navarro to his ship, and the entire Bounty Hunters Guild is against him. This is a very big problem for Mando, because he tries to fight them off, but 
I would just like to add before this, whenever he went to retrieve Baby Yoda, one of the people that had him was an old cloner. And that could have kind of hinted that the yeah. Emperor was trying to clone Baby Yoda. Which, matter of fact, they even say in the episode, the guy who he takes the baby from is not the old man he took the bounty from, but yet it's the scientist. And the scientist says if it was not for him, that Baby Yoda, or the child, would have died. That he did yes. not care about his life at all. And when he retrieved him, he was very weak, and you could tell that something was definitely wrong, and they were definitely experimenting with him. Mm-hmm. And Mender did spare that cloner's life, if he is a cloner. Yes. Some of his insignia hinted to him being a cloner, but it was never fully stated. Moving on, we see Mando, like I said, fight off the Bounty Hunters Guild. And midway through it, there's a big problem. He's about he's about to get surrounded, about to get killed, but the entire Mandalorian conclave kicks butt. They come and save Mando's life and kill most, if not all, of the bounty hunters there. I'll tell you what, though, man, this this episode was probably my second favorite out of the entire series so far. I mean, the amount of action and the fact that how dark they got. Spoiler alert. Uh, one of the clones, or the stormtroopers, not clones, was burned alive by his flamethrower, yeah, which can show you how dark they can get with this series. Yeah, hey, was yeah. it Baby Yoda that did that? No. Ah, wait, that came afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't spoil spoiler. <laughs> we'll quite later talk about the. Whole okay, yeah, I know which episode you're talking about. That one's my favorite. Oh yeah, I like. Yep. We'll get to that later. Okay, boys and girls, we're gonna have to end it after this. We'll see you on part two of the Mandalorian podcast.